Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Short week as the Trojans get ready to host the Utah Utes on Friday night at the Coliseum. Make sure you're there. You know, former Trojan great Reggie Bush and Matt Leiter will be there. And, you know, Urban Meyer's going to be there. So a lot of reasons to tune into this game. Of course, the Pac-12 South title likely on the line. Today, we got a preview show. We're going to talk with Dan Sorensen from Ute Zone. And just a couple minutes talking about this Utah Utes team. Very good so far, 3-0, and as you know. Uh, we're going to also answer some questions. I'll do that, a little solo segment. We'll answer some of your questions about this team going forward. And uh, we'll look forward to the rest of the week as we get ready for this Friday game. We have our preview, the Peristyle Preview Show, which will be in a podcast form. You can listen right where you're listening to this one. It will be live, though, Thursday night, 11 p.m. on KABC Radio 790 here in Los Angeles. Or you can go to KABC.com and listen to it live online. So make sure you check that out. It's the Parasol pregame show. We'll have Taylor Mays on, uh, myself, Shotgun, Keeley. We'll have parts of this interview with uh, Dan Sorensen as well and uh, Chris Trevito. So we got a lot of people breaking things down. We'll have interviews from... Practice, I talked to Hunter Eccles this week at practice, so he had, he had some interesting things to say, especially about uh, Reggie Bush being at the Coliseum. So that should all be fun. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text and leave us a voicemail or send us a text, and we'll read that too. 424-254-9141 is the number. Please uh, share this with your friends. Give us a great five-star review or, uh, you know, rankings, all that stuff. We love to hear from you guys. We love to, uh, when you guys tell your friends about the show and when you leave us positive reviews, that really helps grow our show. This is our 12th football season. Crazy, I know. Covering the USC football team, you know, through the Parastyle podcast. So we've been doing it a long time. It's grown and grown, and we appreciate all the love and support that you guys, our listeners. Let's bring in our guest. We have Dan Sorensen. Follow him on Twitter, at D Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. He's the publisher of UteZone.com here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Dan, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. It's a big game this Friday. I don't know about from the Utah side of things, but talking to the USC people from the beginning, this seemed like it was going to be the biggest game of the year when people would ask me, Certainly the most important just because the, you know, the, the Pac-12 South uh, implications. And the weird thing for me, Dan, is that these teams, you know, big game, they've already had a common opponent, played on a common field. Both have played at BYU. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts watching both teams. If anything, you got any kind of good information from watching how both of those teams played, uh, you know, big rival of Utah BYU. Yeah, you know, watching both teams play BYU was, was kind of interesting in the approaches they took, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, BYU 
for both games, they basically dropped eight back into coverage and played that zone. And, you know, Utah, their offensive philosophy was they were going to take what the BYU defense was going to get them, give them. So BYU dropped back into that zone. Utah didn't throw the ball that much. I think they had 15 or 18 passing attempts the whole game. They basically just pounded the ball down BYU's throats uh, in the run game. And, of course, when you have a running back that is as talented as Zach Moss, and that's something that you can and want to do. And, you know, Utah was giddy. That that's what BYU was giving them. And, frankly, they, you know, the, the game was close in the first half, and then the East was dominated in the second half. I think they outnumbered BYU's offensive plays 10-1. to 1. They held on to the ball for three quarters of, of the half and just, you know, just ran the football. I think they threw two passes the entire second half. So, whereas, you know, USC, you know, being that more air raid style of attack, you know, where, where they're a pass heavy offense, you know, they, you know, they had the, they had the freshman quarterback, you know, BYU dropped the eight and, you know, they didn't adjust as much and they, they didn't adjust as well. And certainly, you know, Slovis, you know, made his mistakes. And that, that was the difference in the ball game is those turnovers. You know, Utah forced three turnovers, took care of the football, BYU or, or USC gave up the turnovers and, and there's the difference. That's, that's, the difference between the win and the loss for Utah when when they're looking at this USC matchup, you know this is the big game of the year. The, the BYU game was not the game that was circled on Utah's calendar. It may have been for BYU, but that was not the case for the Utes. They have been eyeballing this USC game the entire offseason. They know how important this game is. They know that basically the road to the Pac-12 South title goes through the Coliseum, and it's going to be that game. Whoever wins that game is going to be in the driver's seat for the division. So Utah has been very focused on that. Uh, they want to win this game. Of course, there are a lot of Southern California kids on that Utah roster, about a third of the roster is from SoCal. And these kids especially want that game, you know, playing against USC in the Coliseum. A lot of their family and friends are going to be in, in the building and, you know, they're going to want to perform and do well. And, and they, they, they know the importance of this game. So I am really excited for Friday night because frankly, it's, I think we're going to see the best effort from both teams and it's going to be a, a real dogfight. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, this is a game that I think both teams had to circle. You knew the Utes were going to do it. USC's doing it. It's, you know, the Utes are, uh, you know, the preseason favorite, which is, you know, a different, uh, we haven't really seen that in the Pac-12. Uh, but the home field in this game has been so important. Uh, I guess Utah did win in 1916 in, in Los Angeles before the Coliseum was around. Um, do you feel that's going to be a big factor? It's always seemed to be whoever the home team in this series wins the game. Most definitely, you know, Utah, they, they've come close a couple of times in the Coliseum and they just haven't been able to, to pull it out. I think the last time they were in the Coliseum was, was when they went for two to, to go for the win and, and, and didn't get a two-point conversion after the fourth quarter comeback. And, you know, they, they've never just been able to get over that hump. The last time that they were in the Coliseum as, as a top 10 ranked team, USC laid the wood on them. And, you know, Utah was coming in as a favorite. And, you know, I think they were number three in the country at the time. And, and, and USC just beat the absolute crap out of them. So it, it, it's a building that, that the youths have not had, had a lot of success in. And they're looking forward to trying to get over that hump. It's definitely going to be, you know, an issue. The, the good thing for Utah is they have had the one road game already at BYU. It was a particularly hostile environment given the nature of that rivalry. So, you know, it, it, the, the crowd and being away from home uh, 
probably isn't going to be, at least the crowd probably isn't going to be that big of a factor. Being away from home and leading the state for the first time is always a big factor. You know, it's, it's always tough for teams to go on the road, uh, especially college teams. And so it's 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 something that we have our, our, our eye on, and, and it's going to be a factor in the game. And, and Utah is going to have to, you know, play with that target on their back, which they've got, and they're going to have to, to come out and they're going to have to start strong and not get in a hole if they want to have any chance of winning this game. You, uh, we got to talk about Tyler Huntley. Uh, been very impressive so far this year. It looks like he put on like 15, 20 pounds of muscle. He's trying to protect his body that, you know, so he doesn't get banged up this year. We haven't seen a ton of maybe explosive plays from this offense, but he's dynamic, you know, running and throwing the football. USC's had trouble with quarterbacks that are mobile. They've had trouble, kind of containing the edge. So it seems like, you know, this is good. This could be a really good uh, big stage for Tyler Huntley to kind of show the nation, hey, I'm for real. Most definitely. Tyler Huntley is playing the best football of his career. He's only got 12 incompletions through the three games, and half of those were drops from the wide receivers. Um, he, he hasn't been sacked yet this year, so he's averaging 5.8 yards a rush. But the big difference that we're seeing in Tyler Huntley this year as opposed to previous years is he's just making – better decisions. He's been a lot smarter in the run game and pulling the ball when he needs to and giving the ball up when he needs to when the are running the read option. He's being a lot smarter in the passing game. He's making good throws. He'll throw the ball away when nothing's there. He's not trying to do too much. We haven't seen a ton of explosive plays, especially in the first couple of weeks. Some of that is due to the fact that Andy Ludwig, Utah's offensive coordinator, he's kept things really vanilla. They've not done anything you know, particularly outlandish. Uh, the Utes did have a couple of big pass plays on Saturday against Idaho State, but that's an FCS opponent. So, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. But but Huntley is playing fantastic football. He's being smart with the football. And if he has a big game against USC, I think people in college football are really going to have to start taking notice that, that this guy has turned the corner and he's starting to realize that potential that Ute fans have, have been hoping that he would for the past few years. The, uh, his uh, counterpart in the backfield, Zach Moss, uh, is just absolutely stellar. Um, you talked about the BYU game. Zach Moss ran for more yards against that uh, three-man BYU front than the entire USC team. How's Moss looked and, and progressed uh, from last year to this year? Moss has been fantastic. He's basically played two full games. He's already got 373 yards. They sat him for most of the second half of the Northern Illinois game, and he sat the entire second half of the of the uh, uh, Idaho State game. He only got 10 carries that game. Still went over 100 yards. He's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns. He is on the verge of becoming the all-time leading rusher at Utah. He's less than 200 yards away from that mark. And when you think about all of the great running backs that Utah has had, over the years, you know, that's, that's a pretty impressive thing, but, you know, Moss is, you know, he's, he's big, he's strong, you know, he's, he got banged up at the end of last year and this end of the year, but he's finally healthy. He's, he's such a patient runner. And that's one of the things that makes him special is he's patient. He follows his blocks and he's got a couple of just amazing moves where he's able to make defenders miss. His jump cut is one of the best I've ever seen from any college football player. He's got a great spin move. He's strong. He can stiff on people. He leads the nation in, in missed tackles forced. And, and by uh, like a large margin, he's doubled up basically every other back in college football and the number of forced missed tackles that, that, that he's made. So he's a special running back. And, and really, you know, Utah's offense – 
as as well as Tyler Huntley has played Utah's offense begins and ends on Zach Moss. They're going to try to establish the run. They're going to try to get him going. Uh, they're going to try to push that USC defensive line around. And then, you know, as you know, you know Utah, they know, they're known for their line play. They've got that, you know, fist fight and a phone booth mentality. And so they're going to try to, to get out there and push them around and, and get Zach Moss going. And if he has a big game, then, you know, Utah's chances of winning go up exponentially. The, uh, if you listen to uh, Kyle Whittingham before the season, it seemed like, he felt this was going to be the best defensive line unit they had. I think it's the best group uh, in the Pac-12, if you agree with that. And how have they played so far this season? Definitely the most talented group in the Pac-12. They're deep. Uh, they've played really well. So you, you look at that defensive tackle position, they've basically got five guys that they rotate in at defensive tackle that could probably start for every team in the Pac-12. You know, They're, they're led by Lecky Foti and John Panasini. Both of them are seniors. Both of them were either first team or second team all Pac-12 last year. And, you know, they're guys that are, that are playing for, you know, an NFL career. Both of them have a chance to, to go on to the next level and have some success. Uh, then they've got the backups, Hawati Kututau, uh, Pita Tonga, and Vianne Mawala. All three of them have had a pretty solid seasons so far. Then at defensive end, you've got Mika Tafua on one side and Bradley and I on the other. Of course, Bradley and I... Uh, led the Pac-12 in sacks last year, and he's got three so far this year. All three of them came against Northern Illinois. Uh, it just they had a monster game there. So he's a guy that's capable of really getting off. And you know, I know that the USC has had injuries along the offensive line, especially at tackle. And you know, he's a guy that's it's, that's just able to abuse tackles uh, given the right situation. And Mika Tafu is a sophomore that played a lot last year as a, as a true freshman. Uh, had his growing pains and has really come along. So, you know, that that entire group, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all four starters are NFL guys eventually when when, when their careers are finished. Uh, they're extremely talented. They're big. They're physical. And, you know, they're, they're certainly the best that I've ever seen at Utah. And that's, once again, a position that Utah is just known for, that they just, you know, it seems like they got defensive linemen coming out of their ears every single year. And so they've been a lot of fun to watch. Um, expectations are high. I, I think that they have not yet reached their true potential and uh, it's going to be fun to see them go against a very good and talented team in USC and, and see what they're really, truly capable of now that the, that the talent differential isn't as big as what we've seen in, in the non-conference schedule. Outside of the defensive line, there's some studs in the secondary. Maybe give uh, USC fans a couple other names you know, in the back seven that uh, they should watch out for. Yeah, uh, Jalen Johnson, the cornerback, uh, arguably the most talented corner in the, in the Pac-12. He's a guy, he, he doesn't have any interceptions yet. Uh, he's mostly the shutdown corner type. He really doesn't get targeted that much. Uh, it, it's pretty rare that he gets targeted. So, you know, he's a big physical corner. Uh, he's a junior. He's almost certainly going to, to leave after this year and go to the NFL barring injury, I think. He's getting a lot of first-round grades uh, in terms of what the scouts are looking at. So, you know, he's a special player. He's been very, very good the last two years for the youths. And then Julian Blackman, their free safety, is a guy to keep an eye on. So Julian was a cornerback last year for the youths. He was second-team All-Pac-12 as a cornerback. This year, they've moved him to free safety. And really, that that fits his skill set a lot better, that position. You know, he's already got two interceptions. He did not play – 
in the Idaho State game. They held him out because uh, he's got a nagging injury. They held him out for precautionary reasons, but he's got a pick in each of the two games he's played in so far, and he's a guy that's a real ball hawk. He's a good tackler. He's a smart player. You know, there are times, especially when we were watching him during camp, and it seems like he'd appear out of nowhere and just be able to come up with the interception. And so he's a guy that, that Slovis needs to know where he's at at all times because if he gets lost, he's a guy that can really make USC pay in that secondary. And then uh, I want to switch over to special teams. Been a you know hallmark of uh, Kyle Whittingham uh, squads there at Utah, but there's some there's been some turnover. Uh, what do you what do you make of the Utah special teams this year? Yeah, it's still kind of an incomplete grade right now, to be honest with you. It's in, and Utah is known for those special teams. You walk into their facility. I don't know any other program in the country that's got you know that line of Ray Guy awards. It's 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 lining the halls as, as you walk into the facility. Uh, you know they they, they 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 pride themselves in special teams. They've been very good for so many years, and of course. You know, losing Matt Gay to the NFL and Mitch Wisnowski to the NFL last year, they're probably the, the best pair of, sec- of specialists that have ever played together in the Pac-12. You know, those guys were just really special. So they've replaced them. Their new puncher is a guy named Ben Lannon. He's a former professional Aussie Rules football player. Of course, he's an Australian punting for Utah. That's how they do. And uh, he's been good so far. I mean, he doesn't have great numbers in terms of of yards per kick just because mostly he's been pumping from midfield. I think of his six punts, five of them have been pinned inside the 20, which isn't a surprise. And he's kind of learning the sport still. Uh, He's got a very high ceiling, but we're not quite sure what he can do just because of the situations that he's he's punted in so far. Uh, He does have a 60-plus yarder. Um, as well, but that was more of a rugby style that bounced a lot. So it's so we're not quite sure what he can do yet. Uh, but but I think that it looks promising. At place kicker, of course, Matt Gay, the best kicker in the history of, of Utah football. He left for the Buccaneers, and uh, it's 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 a question mark right now. So they started out the year with with Andrew Strauch, who was a UCLA transfer. He had missed an extra point and then missed a field goal, and so Kyle Whittingham yanked him. They've got a new guy in and ended the new guys. Basically, he had one field goal attempt from 35 yards and he hit it. So we really don't know what's going on at place kicker. And, and we don't know how good or how reliable that is. And, and that being a question mark is something if I'm a USC fan, you know, that's giving me hope because, you know, if Utah can't hit the 45-yard field goal like they've been so reliable over the past decade, you know, that might be problematic. It's going to be interesting to see what Kyle does uh, in terms of, going forward on fourth down and, and what he does inside uh, the USC 50, because, you know, if he doesn't trust his kickers, you know, he, he, he's going to put, put things on the shoulders of the offense and just, and just, you know, try to score touchdowns. And, and frankly, um, that's what they might need to do to win, not only this game, but just moving forward. Cause we don't know what the special team is capable of, but they just don't seem as special as they've been the past five, six years, certainly. Yeah. Well, you get, you get spoiled, you know, winning Ray guy awards and have all every year. Um, the, you know, the expectations for this Utah team are as high as they've ever been. Uh, first time ever picked as the preseason media favorite to win the entire pack 12, like last year broke through and won the South for the first time. So it seems like making that progress with these new expectations where they're actually the favorite to win the conference. Have you seen them handle this? And you think it's, you know, impacted the team at all instead of coming from more of an underdog role. 
I think they've handled it pretty well. You know, last year they go into the Pac-12 title game. You know, they lose they lose a low-scoring affair, and really the, the, the difference in the game is it was a ten-three game, and the, the difference in the game was you know, an an interception that was a pick six on a tip ball. So they know how close they were to the Rose Bowl last year. And I think it left a really bad taste in a lot of guys' mouths, especially the fact that so many guys were injured. You know, Tyler Huntley was injured in that game. Zach Moss was injured in that game. You know, Britton Covey got hurt mid-game and and he was out. So they were painfully close last year. Uh, And... They have approached this offseason in a more business-like fashion than I have ever seen a Utah football team be. They were that way in spring ball. They were that way in fall camp. You know, in fall camp, every single practice, they were asked that question. You've got all these expectations. How are you handling it? And they were just kind of like, you know, what expectations? We're just taking, you know, we're, we have a job to do. We're here to do it. We're focused. We're going we're gonna to do what we need to do, and we're going to focus on the task at hand every single week. And so far, they've done that. Now, granted, their non-conference hasn't been, you know, a, a murderer's role, you know, BYU, Northern Illinois, and Idaho State, but they've done that so far. And so this is the first real true test of the year, I think, because I still think that, you, you know, regardless of what happened in Provo last weekend, USC is far and away the best team that Utah has played so far. And so we're going to get a sense of what this team is really like and what their mental status is really like on Friday night. And, you know, they come in and they come in focused and they play well and they come out of the Coliseum with a win, especially if it's a decisive win, then I think all of those expectations that people have been talking about are, are validated. And, and, you know, and then it's game on. And then now we're starting to talk about, you know, okay, can they get to the Rose Bowl? Can they maybe get to a college football playoff? But until that happens, you know, I think everybody's in, 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 at least in terms of observers for this team, are in wait and see mode, you know, can they really do it? Can they live up to the hype? Because, you know, it's one thing to be hyped and it's another thing to perform when all eyes are on you. And, and that's still, you know, TBD, whether they're able to do that. Uh, what do you think is going to happen this game? Do you have a, I haven't even thought about score predictions and things yet, but what do you, any thoughts on uh, how this one's going to play out? You know, I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, I, I think that I'm, I'm really, really curious about, what Utah is going to do to stop that USC pass attack. You know, are they going to do what BYU did and drop a bunch of guys and, 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 and mix up coverages and try to confuse Slovis? Are they going to just do the Utah football thing and play man-to-man defense, which they normally do, and just try to get, you know, get to Slovis with that four-man or pass rush or a five-man pass rush? You know, I, I'm curious to see what Utah's defensive strategy is. I'm really curious to see how USC stops the run game and and, and whether they're able to slow down Moss and whether they, they're able to get to Huntley and rattle him. You know, Moss and Huntley are the keys for that Utah offense. And so I think that there's a lot of intriguing storylines uh, in terms of just the position group by position group battles. And I, I love that USC wide receiver core. I think they're so talented and I'm curious to see how Utah combats them and, 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 and what they do on that front as well. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a back and forth game. Uh, I ultimately think that it's going to be a game that's going to be decided by turnovers. If Utah takes care of the football and forces a turnover or two, they're going to win. Uh, if Utah loses that turnover battle, uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. And so, you know, 
it, it, it's going to be an interesting one, but it's going to be a hard fought one. Cause I, I know that, you know, Utah wants this game badly. I, I am assuming that USC wants this game badly, especially if there are guys on that roster that are you know, going to be fighting for Clay Hilton and, 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 and really fighting for their pride because, you know, there's been so much talk around, you know, the, 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 the chaos and the turmoil in the program. And, and, you know, these are talented kids that have a lot of pride. So, you know, and I would expect them to bring their A game against the Utes because, you know, the Utes, you know, are, for lack of a better term, they're the big dog right now. And, and I don't think that that sits well with USC, you know, should it. Thanks so much, Dan. Well, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Can't wait to the game. All right. That was Dan Sorensen, Utezone.com. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, come right back and uh, answer your questions. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Got some questions I wanted to answer. Uh, we get them left over from the Harvey Hyde and Dan podcast we already did this uh, week. But there's more questions that keep rolling in, so I wanted to do my best to give them an answer and uh, share my thoughts with all of you. So we have a text question uh, from Donnie in Orange County. I noticed Dan Weber has some very good points and questions. Does he get to ask those tough and pointed questions to coaches, or do they frown upon people asking those types of questions? Uh, whenever I watch coaches' interviews, they get asked easy questions for the most part. They never seem to be put on the spot. For example, Clay Helton will say that they rushed the ball really well against BYU. Why isn't anyone asking him uh, how he can think that when BYU's other opponents rush for a lot more yards than USC? Thanks, Donnie. Yeah, no, I think we all try to do that as far as uh, questions go, but it's not its not like a court of law. You can't – if there's a, a narrative that the coaches or player or whoever that you're interviewing want to go with – you, there's no gotcha moment where like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And here's how you, you can only ask the question. And I think Dan asked that specifically about the, the rushing attack during the Sunday night conference call. And, you know, Clay Helton will say the positive things about it. Like, yeah, they, I think Dan brought up that you rushed for 3.8 yards of carry where other teams rushed for six yards of carry. Zach Moss ran for more yards uh, by himself against that front than, um, than USC did as a team. But, you know, Clay, it's like you say that and then they'll say something that's more positive. Like, you know, we really felt like running the ball 45 times and and this guy averaged this many yards and we felt that we could do this. And, uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. And, you know, th- there were really pointed questions this week in practice about asking about tackling, our players tackling in practice. And they're like, well, here's what we do. Um, so you, you can only ask the questions. I think, you know, all of us at uscfootball.com, we really try to do a good job of asking those questions. And there's other people in the media that do as well. Uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, there was a bunch of questions about did, uh, uh Graham Harrell actually call the plays and, you know, it, you can only ask the questions and there, but you can't force them to like, uh, come clean about, Oh, you got me. Uh, yeah, 
we we're just we just don't want to tackle in practice. Sorry, um, you know it's just that doesn't work that way. But yes, we ask them. You do what your your best to try to, uh, you know, get them to say something you know relevant, and uh, you know it just doesn't always work out. We have uh, Don. Um, has Clay Helton let Drake? I think he means uh, Drake London take the blame for the loss interception, or is he has at, or has he in his post game pressers absolved Drake? Uh, for that interception, Helton, uh, Helton away, Don, we got to work on your uh, grammar here. Helton away of letting other people appear to be the blame for his failures. Uh, okay, I think I know what you're trying to say, Don. Um, now, Clayton never addressed that. That was just something I think our shotgun Spratling talked to Drake London about after the game. Um, and yeah, that's he's he's a kid he's going to take blame i don't think it was his fault it was the ball wasn't thrown in the right spot i think that's what clay helton has said no one else was blaming drake london he's just trying to step up and say hey that was my fault uh we got one from otis page uh reign of troy podcast stated that oklahoma is running this very offense the trick is sam was very mobile uh barker was very mobile and hurt is very mobile uh well keaton isn't mobile uh, well, he's not a threat to run. I feel like we are trying to make him into a Peyton Manning type. Thoughts, Otis Page. Uh, I don't think this is the exact same offense. I didn't hear the Reign of Troy people say that. It's a version of it. Um, what Lincoln Riley likes to run in Oklahoma is something that has a mobile quarterback. That's not necessarily been something that Graham Harrell wants to see. His is more of a passing, you know, air raid where, and he likes to run the ball too, but it's not usually out of the quarterback position. It's, you know, get, making the quick reads, getting the ball out quickly. Uh, you know, they have the receivers run to grass. You, say, you know, said that a thousand times. And they have to be on the same page. They can break off routes. And it's it's just, you know, being able to know, here, here's what the, the soft spots in the defense are. I think my receiver's going to do this. So I'm going to put the ball here. That's what th- seems to be the most important aspect of this offense. He, Graham Harrell has not put an emphasis on an athletic running quarterback. So that's, I yeah I don't think they would I think the Raider Troy people know that I don't think they would say but it's you know there's a lot of similar concepts to it I mean it's a, it's a offshoot of the air raid but that one you utilize a, a running quarterback more and uh, especially with a guy like Jalen Hurts he's absolutely ridiculous he had 99 rushing yards on the first drive against UCLA so we got another one from Don uh, who was calling the plays on that last drive of fourth quarter in OT USC looks looked disorganized. Um, is it time to reevaluate? Okay, so first of the part, yeah, we already talked about that. Um, the, Clay Helton offered that up, actually, that the Graham Harrell called all the plays, and then Graham Harrell was asked specifically about it this week in practice, and he said he called all the plays, so that's what they said. Um, he also doesn't like uh, Isaiah Polamal on defense. He was run over, dragged, and basically ran away from ball carriers. It was embarrassing. But the good news from Helton, USC is only one play away from being undefeated and running, and the running game was very good. Hey, Don. Yeah, so being a little facetious there. No, I, I don't like the way they say that. Um, if you are if you lose to like a playoff-bound Notre Dame team by one play and you want to say that, that's fine. I don't think you should say that against – it's a good BYU team. No disrespect to BYU, but it's, you know, it's a team that rushed the field on you. Like, I, I you know, that's not something you want to be saying. But that's, you know, that's the way Clay Helton's MO is to be, you know, he's going to find a positive spin. He's going to try to put talking points out there. Hey, it was a non, it wasn't a league game. And uh, it was, you know, three turnovers to none. And and uh, it was on the road. And so 
you know, stuff that as a if you're a diehard fan, you know all those things already, but you also know that you shouldn't be losing to BYU with the the amount of talent USC has. So yeah, so I, I get what you're saying there, Don. Um, let's see, we got Ray. Wasn't Slovis's best game, but USC on the road, they're never prepared. Our corners kept getting torched. Where was St. Brown at? That's a good question. We don't he was targeted once. I'm sorry out here in Bali. Uh, didn't have the best reception. All I kept seeing was two people catching all the balls, Pittman and Vaughn's. Our tight ends had one big play, and that was it. We were very predictable. First interception was predictable, and the corner played it well. I think it was the linebacker, actually. Second interception was a bad throw under duress, and Stephen Carr up the middle runs were not working. Honestly, Step was a better runner in this game. He had the hot hand, but yet didn't really start getting the ball until later in the game. Side note, Devin Williams would have been Unique to have in the end zone. Just saying, Charles from Bali. About to enjoy the rest of my honeymoon. Fight on and see you at the Coliseum Friday. Charles, writing in from your honeymoon in Bali. Well, I hope you had a good time. You're having a good time. Sorry you didn't get to see a better game. But, uh, yeah, enjoy your your time out there. I mean, I think you have a bunch of good points. I think Steven Carr I like a lot, but they seem to just get clogged up and wasn't able to get going. Uh, he has to get in space somehow, and this running game really didn't do that. They were able to... BYU did a good job clogging things up with a three-man front where they have some linebackers kind of waiting to, if it's a drop back, they're dropping back. If not, they're coming up and, and supporting the run. It was one of those things there where, and you heard, um, you know, Dan Sorensen talk about when you saw Utah play BYU and USC play BYU. The difference is Utah's like, fine, we'll run the ball. And then they ran the ball very effectively. USC said, fine, we'll run the ball. And they didn't run the ball effectively. So that's a big deal you need to be able to take advantage of that, especially when you have uh, a talent advantage. And yeah, they, they did throw a lot to Vons and Pittman. That one big play to uh, Eric Krummenhoek was where the, the pocket actually broke down. Slovis uh, scrambled to his left and uh, Krummenhoek got behind the defense. And I think that's what you had to do in the passing game. USC kept trying to throw those same routes, the intermediate routes, and that's where the BYU defense was clogging things up. You had to kind of go over the top of that and spread it out a little bit more. And USC wasn't doing that. So I, to me, it was a schematic thing where the Trojans weren't taking advantage of uh, what the defense was giving them. You'd say that, like, you want to take what the defense has given you, but there was opportunities there I think they missed on. So um, thanks. He also said, uh, were my eyes deceiving me or is our defense non-existent? No, I mean, defense existent. It's not that bad. I mean, they had two short fields to start the, se- to start the game. So that's bad. Um, and, you know, they had a big stop at overtime. They had some stops, but they also had a lot of tackling problems too. So I wouldn't say it's a great effort by the defense. They needed to tackle better. If they don't tackle better in this game, it's going to be uh, a lot uglier. This is from Dave. Uh, the Trojans could clearly be a contender for the Mountain West Championship. <laughs> Ouch, Dave. Given the talent cap, talent gap, the struggle with BYU is unfortunately typical. There's no way this team is ready to consistently compete with the major powers in college football. Does anyone really think that this team would not perform very differently under a known competent head coach? Dave, uh, yeah, you're, I mean, you're not wrong. This is, uh, to me, this is an inexcusable loss. Coming off five and seven, you had to know Your backs are against the wall. There's no more losing to lesser teams. If you go out and lose to, you know, Washington on the road or you lose to Notre Dame on the road, that's, I mean, okay, like that'll happen. Uh, It might not be enough for you to, you know, retain your job, but that's, you could argue for that. You can't argue how did you 
lose to BYU, uh, especially when your rival in the Pac-12 South went into BYU, just like you did, and smoked them. So this is, I think, when you look at the overall roster, when you look at what happened last year and all the shortcomings on this team, David, it's hard to argue with anything you're saying there. This is not, that is not a result that should have happened. And if you had a better coaching staff, I would venture to say with the same roster, that loss wouldn't happen. So what does that mean? In my mind, and I've said this on other shows, like uh, it doesn't, to me, this is now the the end. Like you can't, I don't think short of running the table like you did in 2016, you're going to be able to save, uh, save this. So um, I mean, it sucks. You never want to see people lose their jobs. Personally, I like Clay Helton a lot. Uh, I like, you know, guys on the staff, everyone. I mean, you like these guys and you want to see everyone, uh, you know, do well. But that to me, you can't, you, you are your record. Uh, when you're getting paid $3 million a year, just being a nice guy isn't enough. And I think you could have got away with stuff and gone nine and three or 10 and two and been okay. I don't think losing to BYU allows that. So that's just my opinion. Um, I think that was, I mean, I think that's like the, you know, I hate to say the 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 nail in the coffin. Uh, I mean, the only thing in my mind, the only thing you can do right now is run the table, and that's it. And uh, I I just don't see this happening. I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a super competitive game on Friday. I mean, I think USC is going to play better. You can never like don't look at Stanford and go wow they're amazing, or look at BYU and go wow they suck. I think it's somewhere in the middle. But Utah's a real team, and they're a good team. Unless Utah comes in and doesn't and wilts in the expectations, which I don't think they will. You heard Dan talk about they've been circling this game. BYU circled that game too. You saw how well they played. I think Utah's going to come in and play well. And I'm just not sure that USC uh, is going to be able to play at that high of a level, um, tackle the way they're going to need to tackle because I don't think they were doing it in practice against guys like Moss and Huntley. And uh, so if they can, I mean, that's great. I just don't, I'm, I'm not seeing it right now. So we'll see, uh, see if, you know, I'm sure they could, they proved me wrong many times. So we'll see if they do it again. A couple more Eric and duck country. Do you think poor on-field performance will expedite the, the athletic director search? And do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I don't, I think they got to do what they got to, they have to get the hire, right? Make sure you read John Wilner's article today. Holy cow. Is it, uh, it's, it's really good. Um, talking about, USC can't afford, the Pac-12 can't afford for USC to screw up this hire again. You have to go out and get somebody. And they, some of the guys from our message board were part of some alumni group, and they sent a letter to Carol Folt, and they, he, John Wilner published an excerpt from that letter. And it's, it, all of it makes sense. Make sure you go check it out. Just, uh, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a letter to Carol Folt from John Wilner. And uh, it's well-written. And I think, yeah, the, I, I think you... You need to make the right hire. So I don't think if they start losing, you have to get an AD in right away. I think you just have to go get the right AD. But the, there is a time frame where you need to do it um, sooner rather than later because you might have to make some decisions uh, fairly quickly. So they are definitely on the clock, Eric. But I don't think um, I, I don't think any more losses would expedite. I think they know it needs to be expedited already. If that makes sense. Uh, we got one last one from John in Oakland. Uh, if the new AD is not in place by the end of the season, do you think that the interim AD, Dave Roberts, has the authority to fire Helton and start the search for a replacement head coach? Hey, John, no. Um, 
I don't think that's part of the plan at all. I think they know they need somebody in before that. So I don't think they they brought in Dave Roberts to make a big decision like that. They can't afford to screw this up. So that's where they are. They can't afford to screw it up, so they got to do it right. Um, so I think Carol Fult knows, and you, there's no time to waste as far as like, yeah, let's uh, take our time, see what the committee brings up. It's like, no, you got to get somebody in, and uh, you got to get somebody good. And set it all up. So I don't think this is going to be a Dave Roberts decision at all. All right. Well, thanks to uh, Dan Sorensen. Thanks to all you guys for listening here. Uh, A different edition of a a Wednesday edition of the Peristyle podcast because we got our preview and our um, Friday game. So thanks so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.